relatively sober soldiers who had also not sailed with the king. Sabin swept a giggling Laura into his arms, carried her over the threshold, and deposited her on a trestle bench. A flagon of your best wine, if you have any left, he commanded the tavern keeper, and food to soak it up. There's just one keg, sir, the landlord wiped his hands on the cloth at his belt, but it's supposed to go to Prince William's ship with the rest. Sabin fished in his pouch and withdrew a handful of silver, winnings from an earlier game of dice. It isn't now, he said, with a wolfish grin. A flagon for me and the lady, and share the rest around. He cast his gaze into the murky corners of the hostel and snorted with contempt to see a youth slumped over a trestle, one hand curled slackly around a cup. Sabin strode over to the table, and lifting the mop of fair gold hair, looked into the slack, pickled features of his youngest half-brother. Simon! The youth blinked owlishly. Is it time to go? He slurred, and belched a miasma of sour wine fumes into Sabin's face. No, I was just making sure that you were still alive. Sabin's mouth curled in good-humoured scorn. Looks as if you've sunk enough to float a galley. That's good wine. You should try it. The lad's head thudded back onto the trestle, and he began to snore, saliva drooling from his open mouth. He was going to have a head like a bell tower on Easter morn when he awoke, Sabin thought with grim amusement. If Simon's mother and stepfather could see him now, they would be furious. And as much with him as the boy. Whenever there was trouble, it was so often Sabin's fault that even when he was innocent, he frequently got the blame. Abandoning his half-brother to his sotted slumber, he returned to Laura. The generous scattering of silver had prompted the landlord to find half a roasted hen, a wheaten loaf, and a compote of apples stewed in honey. If you have a quieter place where myself and the lady can dine in peace... I will not be ungrateful. Sabin touched the pouch at his belt with emphasis. The tavern-keeper raised a knowing eyebrow and, placing the food on a tray, started for the door. This way, sir, he said. Sabin caught his sleeve. I'll ask you to watch out for the lad, too. He jerked his head in the direction of the almost comatose Simon. As if he were my own, sir. The landlord gave a mildly sardonic bow, and straightening up, led Sabin and Laura to a chamber at the rear of the hostel. There was a large public dormitory on the floor above the drinking room, but the landlord had found it profitable to provide accommodation offering a degree more privacy. His wife had thought him mad when he converted the old hay store. Now she dressed in blue Flemish wool and thanked his business sense. The pleasantly appointed chamber boasted a bench against one wall, a central hearth burning charcoal for heat without smoke, a handsome enamelled coffer, and most importantly, a capacious bed with a feather mattress. The landlord placed the tray on the coffer and lit candles in the wall niches either side of the bed. He accepted his payment from Sabin with a murmur and bowed out of the door. Sabin listened for the click of the latch, then turned to Laura with a bright, incorrigible grin. I have been dreaming of this for weeks now. You and me, and a bed. Going to the flagon, 
he poured two cups of wine. Laura swayed over to him. Removing the goblet from his hand, she dipped in her index finger, withdrew it, and slowly sucked from base to polished nail tip. In the candle shadow, her eyes were as black as sin. I hope you make it worth my while, she purred, dipping her finger again, this time reaching up to outline his lips. The sheer eroticism of the gesture almost made Sabbing grab her, throw her onto the bed, and take her fully clothed like a common street whore. In full measure, he said in a lust-constricted voice. His hand trembled as he pushed down her hood and took the gold pins from her veil. Her braids shimmered like the leaves of a copper beech in late summer, and she smelled intoxicatingly of cinnamon and roses. You do know that poaching the king's game is a dangerous sport.